Season 2, episode 32 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Joining me this week, Nikki from Johannesburg. Hi, everyone. And back on the podcast at all, Tomar from London. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Hiya. Right, it's gone, such as gone 3.40 on Sunday, the 3rd of April. Um, let's begin with the, the, the two fixtures. Well, there's still one fixture being played today, but the only two fixtures that matter for me, um, have finished. So Leicester have just finished playing Southampton and uh, we played yesterday. Um, we drew and we're now in Leicester 1 and now we're seven points behind them with six matches left. Um, before we talk about about our aims for this season, season and what's realistic and what's, what isn't with six games remaining, um, yesterday's match, um, bef- before I do my bit um let me start with you nikki um you're at the baron again watching the game yeah yeah we were we uh, janice was got together yesterday for the game and we had a great turnout it was really really good um obviously there's a, a sense of i suppose disappointment um that we didn't capitalize and and take three points from liverpool but uh at the end of the day you know a draw is not a loss. So the fact that we disappointed with a draw tells you, I think, how far we've come this season. But anyway, we'll go more into the game just now. But yeah, it was great. We we had a really good time. You went to oh, I went to Liverpool. Um, okay, long story, but um, I wasn't I wasn't going to go because originally because I, I I wasn't able to secure a. a Ticket. I'm a bronze member, not not a season ticket holder. So only only season ticket holders and ones with a certain amount of points were able to get tickets. So I, I assumed I wasn't going until very early on Wednesday morning, by pure chance on um, on a Facebook group, um, Tottenham Ticket Exchange group, um, somebody put one for sale, and straight away I just happened to be online at that time, looking at the page. Straight away I, I went in and I said, I'll I'll, I'll have it, please. Um, and taking a bit of a risk because the guy that um, the guy that I bought it from, I don't know, he's a complete stranger, and I've never bought a ticket off a stranger before, so you're always taking that risk. But from what I could see, um, he was he seemed uh, seemed to, to have a legitimate Facebook profile, and 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 I thought, okay, I'll take that risk. Um, anyway, um, the, the tickets was sent to my office at work because um, that seemed to be the, the best place to, to send it to and that it would guarantee that somebody would be there to sign for it. So it arrived on Friday and I went into the office. Um, I've not been, I've been working all week, but I've not been working at, at, at our office. I've been at a customer site. I went in on Friday and I go in to collect the post and uh, before I start work and all my colleagues are sat there and 
I picked up the um, picked up the envelope, opened the envelope up. Um, obviously, not knowing at this stage whether this guy was genuine, you know, he, he seemed to be. Opened the envelope up, and lo and behold, there's a paper ticket in there, a photocopy. And it just doesn't look legit. And I look at the back, and it's just blank. And I'm just thinking, shit, I've been I've been fucked over by this by this guy. And then on the side, it's written fake, novelty purpose purposes only. So I'm just feeling really really mad but i'm containing myself i don't want to lose any faith in front of my colleagues so i, I put away the un- envelope and then i walk towards the door because i had to i had to get to the customer site where, where i've been all week and just as i'm leaving a couple of my colleagues look at looks looks at me perplexed and one of them was smiling where are you going they asked and i said well i'm i'm i've, I've got to go to where i've got to go and then at that point one of them pulled out the real envelope um, and because it was April April the first, they had played an April Fool's, oh. Fool's trick on me. Um, so yeah, all good. Um, went yesterday to Anfield for, for the first time. Um, for anyone who's not been to Anfield before, it, it was great to go because you know it's a historic ground um, and nice ground. It's, in some ways, it's like White Hart Lane. It's quite in, um, intimate and close to the pitch. But the atmosphere, the Liverpool fans were. I, I, I was hoping that they would generate more atmosphere, and I think it was quite disappointing. Um, I wasn't enti- entirely surprised because a few people who had, who had gone there before Spurs fans had told me such. So, um, yeah. But our fans were were, were great, and I think um, for, for both of you, if you watch the TV, I'd, I presume I'd like to think that that came across. Yeah, uh, the Spurs fans didn't stop singing from what I heard, um, which is really good to hear. Um, I, I don't think you can ever fault the Spurs fans when they go away. They always seem to outsing the home support, um, which just kind of makes you more proud to to support the club, I think. Um, I was just going to mention, I hope you took your work colleagues um, straight to HR over there. <laughs> Unfortunately, the person, in, the person in question is sort of de facto HR, so All right. um, I couldn't... Um, uh, I've I've got another little anecdote about her to, to tell you a bit later, but um, uh, 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 but we'll, we'll come to that in a bit. Um, yeah, it was uh, um, the, apart from at the very beginning where the Liverpool fans were singing "You'll Never Walk Alone," and that was you know quite moving. And for, for, if you look at it from a neutral's point of view, but for the rest of the game, that hardly made any noise. Occasionally, they were going sort of saying "Liverpool, Liverpool," but. Um, yeah, most most as ever, our our fans out singing theirs. Um, I thought that, that, and I've read a lot on social media and speak to various people, and everybody's been quite positive about the results. I was actually quite disappointed up until we scored, um, and, and here are my, my reasons. I think that up until about the 60th minute, whenever it was, we scored, um, particularly in the first half, I felt that. Yes, we had a few chances. Kane went went through on goal a few times, but I thought defensively we we weren't good. And I don't mean that Larice had a bad game. I think he he saved us a few times. I think Toby was solid, but I think that we gave the ball away too much. I think the, um, not just the defenders, but Rose did well, but Walker I was thought switched off a few times. His concentration levels weren't good. Um, the midfield players, not so much Dembele, but Dyer in the first half, he had a better better second half. Um, and just even going forward, I thought Ali, Son in particular, 
um, all game, but Ali first half and, and Eriksen as well, I thought they gave the ball away too much. What was noticeable for me was when Liverpool attacked, we didn't press them in the way that they were pressing us. When they were pressing us, we seemed to have little time of the ball and we would try to play the ball out of the back and we would lose it a lot. And that was very frustrating for me to watch. And I was quite happy when we when we went into half-time only at nil-nil. Um, that's one of my observations. The other thing was I thought the referee was quite poor. Um, I thought Coutinho cheated clearly. I wasn't too impressed with that, but I think he's a good little player. Um, and I think he's the sort of player that... Um, we should be looking to bring in next season. I know there's a question about that later on. Um, but I think when we scored, I thought we were a lot lot, lot better. Once, once we got that goal and equalised, I thought we were a lot better and we could have nicked it. I think overall, possibly a point is a fair result. I know it's frustrating in the great greatest scheme of things, but I think it's a fair result. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think... Um the teams proved themselves to be very evenly matched on the day. Um, if you look at the, the match stats, that, that's kind of reflected in those. Um, similar playing styles as well. Uh, one couple of observations to add to, to what you've mentioned, uh, Javad. Um, Hugo was excellent once again. I, I thought man of the match. Um, he pulled off a couple of unbelievable saves, which 99% of goalkeepers wouldn't have got to. Um, the other thing I noticed, and I saw it in the team lineup, and I also picked up on it in play. Liverpool were effectively playing with four central midfielders, um, and Coutinho just off Sturridge. I think they were Chan, Henderson, Milner, and Lalana, um, and I think that stifled stifled us a little bit in in the centre of the park. Um, they seemed to kind of be a lot more. Uh, hungry and disciplined and chasing us down whereas we we didn't quite have that for for the entire game and the third thing is um is regarding son he obviously started uh i think it was one of his poorest games for us to be gave away the ball a lot um took shots when he should have passed passed when he should have taken a shot um wasn't really kind of chasing back too much which I I think kind of is reflecting the fact that you you mentioned that Walker was struggling we we missed uh, Lamella there yeah, yeah. quite a bit I think we noticed that more when he's not in the lineup when he, when he's in the team we we pro- perhaps don't pick up on it as much but it it, it was definitely evident yesterday mm. yeah no I agree I don't there's not much to really add to that I think that um I do agree that uh, Luis had a really good game and did make some really excellent saves that we needed. Um, but there was kind of a, a lack of concentration, I think, for me. Um, it, it was weird. It, it, we didn't we didn't press enough and we just weren't playing the first touch balls. We, we were just hanging around on the ball too much and then losing the chance. We were really, again, not being clinical in our finish and and I think it just highlights again, as much as we all want to win and we all want to win the league, and we want to win every game, etc. We've got to realise that we're still a work in progress. I keep saying this mm. and Pochettino still has a lot of work to do with our with our players. Um, you know, they, they know what they've got to do. But with that translates on the pitch, sometimes I, I don't I don't always see it. And and I think for that reason. It just highlights that there is still a fair amount of work 
to be done with us, especially if we want to compete in Champions League. Hypothetically, I mean, we'll talk about realistically what's possible, but hypothetically, if we, if we finish the season second, so that's Champions League and it's Champions League spot. It's, it's, it's a guaranteed, you know, it's, you don't have to go through the playoffs. And we finish second and we finish above Arsenal. That is a really good season. That is progress on last season. You know, last season was good in, in, in parts. Um, I thought it started off slowly when Pochettino took over. That was always going to be the case. It was going to take time. Then we had a middle middle good bit of the season um, and, and we got to the final of the Capital One Cup. And then I thought we sort of tailed off towards the end of the season. And this season, we've we've if we do finish second, that's a remarkable achievement. And and um, it's also a reflection, as you say, Nicky, that that it that it is progress, but it's there's still a bit of work to do. Um, and we we can only get better from here on in. Um, just coming back to what you said uh, at all, uh, Lamella, I agree. Yeah, we completely, we really missed him. Um, and it's not- noticeable earlier on in the season when, when we played Woolwich um, at the Emirates. Um, he had a really good game then and he was pressing a lot. And um, as soon as he got substituted, I thought that that changed the complexion of that game. And I think we, we missed him on that occasion. And I think yesterday we, we missed him. And Son, I mean, what... <sighs> What were the other options? He could have played Chadley, I suppose. Um, yeah, but he's not a good starter. Yeah. I do think that he does bring something when he's a he's a super sub. Mm-hmm. Um, although, having said that, I don't think he particularly played exceptionally well or he made much of an impact when he came on yesterday. But but I don't. I wouldn't want to start with Chadley, and everybody knows how much I love Chadley. So it pains me to say that. Yeah. Um... And I suppose it highlights the fact two things. One, that if you take out... I know we've, we've talked about the fact that we've got a strong squad, but if you take out Ericsson, Lamella and Ali, I know we've got lots of other options. Well, obviously, we had Townsend, but we sold him. But if you look at those other op- options, are they really good enough? Son, well, it's, it's, it's his first season, so he's going to take some time to, to settle in. Um, so there's an element of that. Same with Clinton and mm. who's, who's who's injured. But also... Mm. Do we have the depth, and particularly next season, you know, if we if we if we want to challenge for the league again, and have a similar season to the one we've had this, coupled with the Champions League, do we need to bring in better quality players? I suspect the answer to that is yes, and that's not yeah. a reflection on the players that we've got. Like I said, Son and uh, Clinton and G. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll see more of both of those players next season. Um, it it might be that that. They are the answer, um, and and then it will just take some time for them to settle in. Um, yeah, I, I think from a squad depth perspective, we are probably missing one or two there. Bear in mind that Townsend's obviously gone, who was an extra head in there, and Dembele, who we often played early in the season on the right wing, or can play in the, th- uh, the three attacking positions behind Kane. He's obviously playing central midfield most of the time so there is there does look like there's a need to bring in one maybe even two other players there just to mix things up and increase the squad depth a little bit yeah I mean the other option is I think in the game against Sunderland I could be wrong right at the beginning of the season I think Mason played further forward I could be wrong about that um, and he's a sort of player that's got a lot of energy and he can break into the box um, 
but I, I'm not entirely convinced by him. Um, and as you say, Dembele, yeah, he can play there, but it, it, it seems that, that his best position is, is with, with Dyer. And when those two players are fit, for me, they have to start at the, at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as I say, in the great scheme of things, um, if you if you look at it, going to Anfield isn't, isn't easy. And Liverpool, I mean, they've played blow hot, hot and cold this season. But to go there and get a draw, um, it's not a bad result. Um, but in the great scheme of things, obviously, particularly with Leicester winning today, that puts us seven points behind. Um, we've got six matches left. Um, I'm going to jump straight into predictions, unless there's anything more that anybody wants to add about Liverpool, the Liverpool no. match. Um, so we've got United next next Sunday at all. You're going to the game. I'm I'm going to be there as well. Yep. Um, prediction time. Um, I think uh, at the beginning of the season we were unfortunate to lose uh, against them. Um, I predict we'll get our revenge. Um, a 2-1 Spurs win. Okay, Nikki? Yeah, um, I agree. I definitely think we're going to win and I would hope that we keep a clean sheet. So I'm going to go with a 2-0 victory. Okay. Um, my my heart says we're going to win. My head says that United are going to make it difficult for us and it could be a draw. Um, I don't know. It, you know the thing is, Jeff, you just, you just actually don't know which team is going to show up on the day. We, we all have good days and we all have bad days and it just depends on who shows up and who wants it more. And, of course, there's some luck involved, I find, as well. So you, you just don't know which team is going to show up on the day, I think. We all blow hot and cold. Every single team in 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 every game, and sometimes you have a little bit of luck. Sometimes you've got a ref who's a little bit on your side. He's against you. He doesn't see things. He has a poor game. He has a good game. It's just sort of lack of the draw sometimes I find, and it's not always to do with who's the better team. Uh, I think it's just who's the better team that shows up on the day and who wants it more. Sometimes, although sorry. Having said that, I do find that Leicester are exceptionally lucky. I, I really, I can't wrap my head around that. Okay, so this is the thing that really pains me most about this season. It's the fact that, if yeah, if we finish second, it, w- it will be a really good season. But what I find really frustrating is that, A, we're very close, or we are we're still in contention, although we've made it difficult for ourselves again by going further behind and, and there's less games left. But also, I would find it difficult... You see, if there was somebody that's top at the moment that I considered a better team, whoever that was, dare I say, even if it was Arsenal or Chelsea, if they were a better team and had better players um, and we finished second to them, I would say, well, OK, you know, they're the better team. We're not... They're the benchmark. I don't believe that Leicester City are better than us. I don't believe there's anybody in 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 the whole of the Premier League that that that's better than us. I think we've got the best we've got the best starting eleven. Um, I think we've got the best squads probably. Um, we've got the best defence. The records speak for themselves. Best um, goal difference, most goals scored. Um, yet we find ourselves in, in second, and I think we've got the best coach as well. Um, 
look at the the, the spine of the um, England team. Um, you know, you've got Kane, you've got um, Deli Ali, you've got Dyer, um, and you've got yeah Pochettino, great coach. And on top of that, and I think I've mentioned this in a podcast a few weeks back. There's been countless managers this season. Bilic is the one that comes to mind, but there have been other ones that afterwards in interviews they've turned around and they said Spurs were in a different class to us. They're the best team we've played all season. And that's the thing that really would frustrate me if we finish um, behind Leicester. Um, and I just think they've ridden their luck, as you say, Nicky. More you know, credit to them. Yep, they've ground out results. They've ground out 1-0 results um, recently a lot. And that's that's a trait of, of, of championship winning teams but I just that, I, I don't really see it myself I don't see um, I don't think their players are particularly good I think Schmeichel's I don't think I don't rate Schmeichel as a goalkeeper um, I think they've got lots of ordinary players in their team yeah I think I think obviously whatever Ranieri is doing it's it's clearly working because they they're getting the results even if they're just a one or win or whatever the case is but it's almost just this hype around them and I think the success that they've achieved already this season considering where they've come from that it's it's almost like an unspoken thing well wouldn't that make a great story if Leicester won the league and it's it's just like in the back of everybody's minds and, and I'm and maybe I'm being a conspiracy theorist here, but it's it's you know I don't know if sometimes if if perhaps that's the goal for I'm not saying it's match fixing as such, but but it just it just mm, frustrates the hell out of me that they can get away with some of the stuff that they do on the pitch, and like today I, I know some people don't think it was a penalty for Southampton, I think it was a penalty and. It, that's the thing that annoys the hell out of me because that would have changed the dynamics of the game. You know, if if it was a draw, it would have been a better result, obviously for us at the same time, mm. token. But it's just, it just frustrates me because I don't think they're better, Jav, like you said. I think that we do have a better squad. Um, obviously, other teams have really good players individually, but I think we've also just got so much more to offer as a team and the way we play. And we've got class. And everything about us is wonderful. So, obviously, I'm going to say that because I'm Spurs. But I'm just so sick of Leicester and the whole hype around them and winning the fucking league. Fuck off already, you bloody idiot. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's fine. Um, I think that, that um, I mean, Atour and I are we're, we're probably conscious of this because we're in the UK. But there's been a lot of coverage in this country um about Leicester, it's all about Leicester City. This Leicester City, that. Mm. Um, on Friday evening, I was watching the ten o'clock news, um, which is sort of uh, ITV ten o'clock news, which is like peak time news, and um, there was a whole report all about Leicester City and the Leicester City fairy tale. And it was, and you would watching that, you would think there was no other team in contention. Now I don't know, mm. Nikki, what the coverage is like in South Africa. Um, but certainly here, I mean, obviously you'll, you'll get a feel of for that also on social media, I suppose. But it's all Leicester this, Leicester City that. And frankly, I would love it if if it goes down to the final day of the season, and we get down to um, and we 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 win on the final day. And I've said this before, we we could do it on the final day, and I think that that goal difference could be 
that we've got could prove to be pivotal and we, we could do it and I would love it if we did it because I would love it for their fans and all the neutrals that are saying it's wonderful for them to be proved wrong on that final day and frankly I would I, if that happens um, and it sends every man, woman and child in Leicester into, into tears that would be great I, I want to taste their tears um, I would love it if that happens um, <laughs> you've, gone, uh, you've gone full Kevin Keegan there I was yeah, trying not to. I was really trying not to go full Kevin Keegan, but anyway, um, <laughs> just on the on, on the back up, because I didn't really. I sort of sat on the fence about the United game. I think that that I think we, we always bounce back when when we drop some points. Mm. Um, so I think we'll show some resilience. And if you saw Pochettino at the end when he punched the ground, you know he was frustrated, and he said afterwards yeah. it, was, it was two points dropped. So I think we'll bounce back. I, I don't. I'm not not worried that we'll play badly. I think we'll play really well at home, and if Lamella's back, I think we'll be firing. Um, we've also got an extra day rest for what it, whatever that's worth over United, because United are playing now against Everton. Um, my only concern is that United will come to um, White Hart Lane, and like, like I said this before, like a lot of teams, they'll frustrate. But um, fuck it, I think we'll, we'll, we'll win 2-0. I think I think we'll put put a really good performance and and just wipe the floor clean. Um, just another thing on Leicester, Vardy. Um, uh, I was having a conversation with a guy on the train back yesterday. And we were we were both in agreement that Vardy. Um, he's a bit of a one-trick pony. Um, if you look at a lot of his goals, it's all about the ball being played in um, in front of him and him using his pace and then finishing. And don't get me wrong. You know, you can't take away the fact that he scored the number of goals he scored and, and he seems to be comfortable taking them with either his left or his right foot or or with his head and he's got the pace and, and he's got the composure to finish. But that's where most of his goals have come from. If you if you contrast that to Harry Kane, um, on a number of occasions, if you take his goal against Arsenal, that was just a fantastic goal that he made himself. Yesterday's goal, I don't know if... Well, I, I I had to watch it again because in real time I couldn't appreciate how good it was. In real time, um, I saw a, a ball knocked over the top from my man Toby, um, and the bit that I appreciated at the time was um, Ericsson keeping it in mm. and flicking it onto um, flicking it onto Kane, and then Kane scored. So the rest of that was a blur. Um, I, I just remember the Ericsson bit and then Kane scoring. Having watched it again, it's a fantastic goal. The way the touch from firstly Toby's pass um Ericsson's flick on to keep it in and, and get it to, to Kane but then the way Kane just controlled it turned and out of mm. nowhere scored a fantastic goal yep. um and not for the first time and I think Kane you can put five players around him and he'll, he's still got this perseverance and this drive to get past them and take them on and and to turn and to score goals out of nothing and it's to me he's just quality and, and that's the difference I think between us and them um, sadly, at the moment, they're top and we're we're second. I'm I'm pretty sure of Kane's goal. He couldn't actually see the see the target when he actually took the shot, but instinct instinctively he knew where it was, and literally hit the far corner, um, which shows just the quality of the striker that that he he's got the know-how and the the kind of um, understanding of where he is on the pitch and who's around him that he can score goals like that. It remind, reminds me so much of Sheringham in many ways. Um, but just uh, going back to Leicester quickly, um, I, as much as I, I love Spurs to, I would love Spurs to to win this. 
I can't begrudge a team who have obviously the table doesn't lie if they pick up more points than everyone else they deserve to win it it's frustrating and disappointing just how close we are um, to pegging them back and the annoying thing is was is if it was a Chelsea or a Man City who'd spent 300 million on their on their first 11 at the top of the table I could almost kind of take that um, a little bit more than than Leicester City pipping us to the to the post just because kind of like you say man for man we have a, a better team than them on paper but um, it just shows how pivotal those two league games we had against them were um, they had our number beating us once and we drew against them in the other one if we'd have the, the, the game we lost, if we'd have drawn that, we would have only been four points behind them now. And that was another example of a scrappy, cheap 1-0 that they picked up along the way against us. Um, and it just shows how, how pivotal those head-to-head games were. Um, and they've, they've done that against all of the top sides. So, um, so kind of like I mentioned, I mean, it's frustrating, but the best team in terms of results is at the top of the table now it's just a shame we haven't been able to to kind of do ourselves justice in terms of how good we are and in particular those two games against them mm. okay but before we before we do um before we do some questions and obviously we've got bex who's going to provide an update on the spurs ladies um very quick quickly we've got six matches we've we've all done a prediction for, for the United game and said we're going to win that. Um, I'm not going to ask for predictions for, for the five rem- remaining games, but I will every week as, as we get closer, I will be asking people, um, and I appreciate it's not a way to same people on the pod, um, how they see it. Um, with six matches left, Nikki, can we do it? Uh, and, and, I mean... and, and can we hold off the challenge that's coming from behind us, from that yeah. other team? Yeah, obviously my my heart says we can do it, um, and but I, but I kind of think that um, we need. It's not just about having the need and desire to win it. I think so. You know, Pochettino keeps saying that the boys do have the winning mentality or whatever, but we're not we're not translating that into a result for some reason, and I'm not exactly sure why that is. So. The way I see it is, obviously, if we're not going to win it, I do hope that we remain second. I do hope that we finish above Arsenal because I think that's going to be very important for us. And um, I think the most difficult game is behind us now, and that was Liverpool, in my opinion. So for me, it's, it's, it's right there for the taking. But it just depends on how lucky Leicester get because I'm sorry, that's what I think is it comes down to for Leicester at the moment. They've got incredible luck going with them. So. No, I, I agree, and, and we can win we can win all of our six matches, but we we're still dependent on on, on what them, happens with on them. What happens um, before I say my bit at all? Um, it's going to be very difficult. But it's possible. Um, of course it is. I mean, uh, I, I think a couple of years ago, Liverpool were five points clear with a, with two games left and managed to get yeah. caught, caught up. So it is possible. But like we say, I mean, the, 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 the problem is 
it's kind of very much out of our hands. Even if we win all six games, we're still kind of dependent on Leicester dropping points. And it's seven points. I mean, it's, it's possible. They don't have to lose a ton of their games. Two defeats and a draw. And that's the seven points kind of um, brought back, assuming we win all our games. But, um, but yeah, it's not easy. And I, I think the, the games we've got against United and Chelsea are going to go a long way to deciding uh, our chances. I, th- I think if, if we can win those and we have a good chance of um, maintaining this chase. I mean, you said it yourself that they've got a little, so it's, yeah, two defeats. I don't, they've had, what, three defeats all season or yep. something? Yep. So we're, we're effectively saying that they've got to lose two thirds as many as they've already lost in their final mm. few final few games. Um, okay, um, I think, and I'm just gonna actually tie it into questions um, that we had. So Greg Taylor asked, and it's Greg's birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Greg! Um, Nikki, it was your birthday yesterday. Happy birthday! Thank you very much. Happy birthday, both of you. Um, so Greg, Greg asks, "Has any has anybody heard has anybody heard the fat lady sing?" I haven't. So why have some Spurs fans given up already? Um, so I I posted something on social media a, a little while back while I was watching the um, the Leicester Southampton game, and it was the point at which Southampton scored, and I said, "Well, that's that," or something something to that effect, you know. And 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 you know, it was quite despondent, um, and a lot of people, I think pick me out and criticise me for, for, for saying that and saying, you know, it's, there's still everything to play for. And, and that's all true, and I think there is. But I think that ultimately going seven points behind is going to be very difficult to turn around with six matches left. Look, uh, I've been optimistic about Spurs all season, and months ago I said we could do it. Um, when we when we lost to West Ham and, and a lot of Spurs fans were despondent that we hadn't gone top when we lost to Leicester City back in January, a lot of fans were writing writing off our chances then. I, I, I was much more relaxed. Even when we drew against Arsenal, we missed the opportunity to go top. Again, I wasn't too fussed because we were still, at that point, only two or three points behind Leicester, which I thought was, was fine. When it went to five, I thought that was difficult, but not impossible. At seven, with six matches left, I think that's going to be really hard to turn around. And as we said, we need, to, we, we need them, whatever we do, and we can only do our thing and, and concentrate on our results. We still need them to at least lose two matches or draw a handful. And I think that's going to be very difficult. Looking at their running, running, yes, they've got United away. They've got Sunderland away, I think, next. Um, and um, that's not going to be easy because Sunderland are fighting for points to stay up. Um, they've got a few other tricky ones. West Ham as well. I think that they will give them a game, and then Chelsea on the final day of the season, and that's going to be John Terry's last game. So I'm sure Chelsea would would want to win that match for their beloved skipper. Um, mm-hmm. I again, I don't want to sound sound like I'm sitting on the fence, but I thought I foresee two scenarios. I think the worst case, well, the worst case scenario or a scenario is that. Um, given that they only need to win four of those six matches, we, and that could be less than that if we drop some points, we possibly drop some points the next few games and we end, including against Chelsea on Bank Holiday Monday and they become champions without kicking a ball. Um, And worse than that would be, and that's fine, if that happens, that happens. But the worst case scenario would be obviously if Arsenal overtake us and I think as a minimum 
we should look to finish the second finish the season in second place. Um, the other scenario is obviously it's not over till it's over, and we still have a chance. Um, if we are to win it, then as I said before, I think it would go right down to the end of the season. In fact, to the point where I think we could go into the this is the best best scenario that we'd go into the Newcastle game one point behind Leicester. And if we did that one point behind them and they drew, not even lost, if they drew against Chelsea and we won at Newcastle, Newcastle, who might well be relegated by that point, um, we'd be champions. Um, so um, I just, that, that's, that's how I see it. But I just, I think that the next two or three games will be crucial for both teams, really. You, you know, I think regardless of what happens, um, people mustn't forget what we've achieved already this season. I came in to the season saying that I think we'd finish fifth again for no other reason than teams around us improve and um, that I think that Pochettino needed more time with the players and we'd only really start seeing results of what Pochettino is capable of doing with our players from next season, uh, 2016-2017. So the fact that we're already seventh with six games to go, uh, second in the league with six games to go, guys, that's a hell of an achievement. That's, a, that's something to celebrate in itself. So if people want to be negative and go, oh, well, we're not going to win the league, so Spursy, typical, whatever, you know what, then don't call yourself a Spurs supporter. Sorry, that's as blunt as it's going to be. Because appreciate what we've achieved appreciate what has been happening this season and appreciate the foundation that Pochettino is putting into play for the future of this of this club. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. Um, I saw the usual meltdowns on social media yesterday after our game, um, which which baffled me because, like you're saying, Nikki, I, in terms of what we've, what we've achieved, I can't be mad at any team that I love that's only lost four games all season. Um, we'd lost last season. We'd lost four games by about October, um, which shows yeah. kind of how, how much we've progressed since then. It just is um, our luck that we have Leicester ahead of us. But in terms of our progression and what we've achieved, I don't. I, don't, I mean, I, I can only really care about what my team achieves. I don't really care about any other team. And in terms of what we've achieved, it's a massive progression. Um, yeah. And. Yeah, I can only be optimistic for the future, um, having seen how we've performed this season. And it's all been achieved with a very young squad and a very young team, um, which which makes Absolutely. it even more even more remarkable. Okay, before we do some questions, here's Bex with this week's update on the Spurs ladies. Hi, this is Bex. Just letting you know what the ladies team have been up to this week. Today they played Cardiff City LFC. That was a two o'clock kickoff today at Chessant in a league match. They lost one nil. I don't like it when that happens. And I'm fairly sure Karen Hills, the manager, will have an awful lot to say about it. And none of it good. So their next match is next Sunday again at 2 o'clock and again at Chesson. And that's Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, another league match. So the current match from the match from today leaves us in sixth, which isn't ideal, but there you go. And to be fair, this season is all about the magic of the cup. All three of them that the ladies are in. So the first one is on Thursday, the 14th of April. That's the Ryman Cup final. It's at Chesson. It's a 7.30 kickoff, and the opponents are Charlton Athletic. Tickets are a fiver to get in. 
for adults, a quid for under 16. So take your kids along. It should be over the Easter holidays. Um, get everybody involved in football at all levels. It's a good thing. Following that, they play on Wednesday the 27th of April, and that's the Capital Women's Cup final, again against Charlton Athletic. The location is Wingate and Finchley FC, with a time yet to be confirmed. Subsequently, they also play um, the Women's Premier League South Cup uh, against Coventry United. That will be at the Oval, again with a date and a time yet to be confirmed. So if you want to know anything else about the ladies' team or you think you have something that I don't already know, please feel free to drop me a line. I'm on Twitter at BunchesBex. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bex, as ever. Welcome back. Right, um, let's finish off with some questions. Nick Seal asks, should Jan come straight back into the team for Vimmer? If yes, what does that say about players playing on merit? Nikki? Uh, good, goodness, good good question. Um, look, I think he's he's done a fair job. And, and in all honesty, I don't think that um, the Tongan's going to come in straight back. He's he's going to be have to be as fit as can be um, in order to cope. Uh, it's tricky. I don't know what Pochettino's going to do there. I, I don't necessarily see him just coming straight back in. Um, I think that he might play half of games or something. He might just do to try and get him back into it. He's missed so many already now this season. And I think Toby and and Vimmer have got a good thing going. I, oh, I don't know. That's her. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, um, I, I think I've discussed this with you guys before, actually. Um, um, Wimmer, Wimmer has played really well, um, much better than most of us thought he would, um, to the point where we've hardly missed Jan. I think Jan is obviously a better player um, and would normally be the first choice. Um, undoubtedly also because of his partnership with Toby. Um, however, I think it would be quite unfair on uh, Wimmer to uh, drop him to the bench as soon as Jan is back. Uh, just because, um, I, like, like I mentioned, he's done nothing to deserve that and he should be rewarded by his good play by continuing to play until a he has a drop in form a bad game or an injury um having said that i in from experience i don't think uh potch is the sort of manager who would instantly drop a player once they come back from injury and and um and bring in the, the new sorry he wouldn't instantly drop a player as soon as someone else comes back from injury he always seems to ease um, players back into the first team, um, which I think he'll do here as well. Uh, the one caveat is that we've only got a handful of games left, so I'm not entirely sure how many more starts Jan will get before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Well, he did it with um, with with you're right. I mean, he, he doesn't rush players back in, and, and that's good because yep. we've seen so many cases of footballers coming back from an injury and then um, and and then picking up a secondary injury. Um, if you recall with Dembele, um, Carroll was playing a few matches, and then Dembele came back and he made a few substitute appearances, and, and even when he did start, he wasn't playing the full 90. I, yeah. I, I suspect, well, I don't suspect the same will happen with, with, with Jan in that you don't really <laughs> substitute a centre-back unless it's um, 
unless you're forced to, so to speak. So it's not as if he's going to start with Wimmer and then all oh, ten minutes from the end I'll bring on Jan. That's that's not how it works. Um, right. But I think that once he's fully fully fit, match fit is a different thing. That's only going to happen by playing matches. Um, I think once he's fully fit, we might see certain games where he might. For example, a big match like Chelsea, which you know, whatever we say about Chelsea, it's, they're going to really going to want to stop us, and it's still a London derby, and it's still Chelsea. That's that's going to be a big match. So he might, for example, perceive that for that big match, he wants Jan back in the team, or it might be a particular player that Jan's that he would like Jan to mark rather than Vimmer. So it might be Costa, or it might be or it might be one of the other games. So I think that might be the point at which it'll be like okay. That's going to be the factor which, which, which um, sort of uh, forces his hand and 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 makes him pick pick Jan. And then if Jan comes in and does a good job, then Vimmer will have a tough um, time getting back in. Look, ultimately, ultimately, um, for me, as good as Vimmer has played, um, Jan and Toby were, were superb in the first half of the season, uh, or the first whatever it was, two thirds of the season, and. They've got a really good understanding, and they've had that from uh, playing in the national team, playing playing together mm. at Ajax, um, and I think that's um, you know that's that's a partnership that, that we want we 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 would want all season. Um, but at least we know that Vimmer can come in, and he and he's done a good job, and he's a more than more than um, able replacement. Um, okay, next question. Mark Stoll asks, am I the only person who really doesn't want the season to end? Not just because we are second, but because we are so good to watch. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us ever want the season to end mm. because then your summer, what the hell do we do? <laughs> I mean, here it's easy. It's winter. We can just drink wine and, you know, stay drunk until our summer arrives. Your autumn, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean nobody wants the season to to end. Obviously, I think I think the countdown to the end of the game now it's actually a bit sad in a way because we just obviously enjoy watching our team perform so well and and play and and we are good to watch. Mark's right, we, it's stunning to watch us. Mm-hmm. Yes, sometimes frustrating, but more times than not, we are brilliant to watch. So. You're not alone, Mark. I think um, that for me, like I said earlier, last season was a good season, um, considering you know we got to a cup final. Um, yes, it, it, it petered off towards the end of the season. This season has been even even better. It's it's been great. But um, I'm, as you say, once the season ends, I think that and, it, and it's sort of sad now. It's sort of you know getting getting towards the end, and once it ends, particularly. In the summer, it just seems like it's forever, and we're waiting for the new season to start. But I'm I'm really looking forward to next season because I only think it will get better. Um, so um, I, I I don't I don't envisage, for instance, a situation where players will leave or it's all going to go wrong. Um, I'm expecting more of the same next season. So um, bring on next season. That's what I say. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm loving this season. Where from a personal personal perspective this is my first one as a season ticket holder so I've managed to go to many more games than I have in the past and I'm loving it actually it's uh, it's been a great season to to start um, start as a season ticket holder um, on the pitch obviously we're playing 
amazingly. Um, we've achieved so much and progressed so much as a team. The spirit among the players and the, the management seems to me fantastic. Um, something that I've never experienced before as a Spurs fan. Um, and our um, assault on the title is, again, something I've never really experienced. I'm loving it. Um, partly don't want it to end because I'm sure it's going to be tougher next time. Um, but we have, hopefully, barring any last-minute calamities or disasters, we have, hopefully, Champions League to look forward to next season, which is uh, is, is a, a little bit of a sweetener um, to to kind of get us through the summer. And it's going to be the last season at White Hart Lane as well next season, so that's going to be special. Of course, um, good point, yep. And, 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 and as you said earlier, Nicky, what Pochettino's doing, when you look at... He, he's laying the foundations. Um, this, yeah. isn't, this isn't a... We're not fucking Liverpool, Brendan Rodgers, um, one-season wonders, uh, thinking they're going yeah. to win the, league, win the league and then they fall short and then Suarez goes and then, you know, this is... Um, it's not even comparable to when Harry Redknapp was manager. When you know we, we there were some exciting times then, and we had we had a, a array of good players and exciting players, and we, there, were, there were some fantastic matches and moments. But he wasn't building for the future. He didn't give a shit about the future. He only gave a shit about one thing, and that was him, Harry Redknapp. That's all he cared yeah. about. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I think I, Pochettino strikes me as being a career, or uh, uh, what's the phrase? Somebody that's um, Gone completely out of my mind. Um, somebody that's uh, 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 that, that's that's trying to carve out a career for themselves and 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 do the best. So I'm I'm sure he's ambitious and I'm sure that you know he's building up his CV and and at some points he will uh, move to past his new. Um, that might be the Argentina job. That you know, but um, he's not. He's got no particularly affiliation or bond with Tottenham, even if he's very happy here. But he is at least looking at bringing on the young players and and he's done that and we've got a nucleus and we've got a togetherness at the, at the squad and, and at, the, at the club and a new stadium that all bodes well for the future so um, I, I can only look forward to, to, to next season and the seasons that follow um, right our very own Bex she asks are we likely to lose players over the summer and I presume by that she means not so much shit players leaving but um, or ones that aren't Good enough, but but whether some of our star players are likely to leave? No, I don't believe so. Why would they want to go? No, I can't Especially see that myself. When, when we were just saying that Pochettino's building for the future, he's laying the foundations, and I just think that all of our players, especially with achieving Champions League, all of our players want to be part of that history. Can you imagine? You know, years from now, when when we're in our our 60s and 70s and, and our kids are talking about Tottenham and they're talking about this season, this time, when Pochettino was our manager and what he did and the players that we had. They all want to become known as legends like Greaves and Hoddle and all of those men, you know. So why would any of them want to leave? They want to stay and they want to be part of that. That's, that's the way I see it. Yeah, I can't add much to that, to be honest. Um like we said, we've got a great team spirit, team on the up, great manager, stadium on the way. Um, the only possible reason I could think people would want to leave, uh, maybe individuals in the past might have wanted to leave for Champions League, but I mean that 
looks like we're gonna it looks like we're gonna be part of that next season as well. So yeah. I don't really see any any reason why any of them would want to leave. They seem very happy. No, I can't. I, I don't see that myself either. I mean, last season there was talk of Larice possibly leaving in the summer. At the time, I didn't didn't think he would, and I think that's even less likely now. I know that Kane every now and then is linked with United. I can't see that happening. Um, I can see possibly next summer, after one after a season in the Champions League, if if if, if we didn't qualify just for purely for the sake of argument, I could see possibly then players leaving after they've got a taste of playing Champions League football. Or if they get too big for their boots, but f- frankly, if that happens, then I don't want those players in the club. So, well, exactly. But also, I just don't think that we've got players like that. To be perfectly frank, I think we've got we've got players who've got their heads on the right way, and I don't think that any one of them think that they're bigger than than the club. You know, no, because that's that's an arrogance that I don't think is is in our players. Bearing in mind they are young, but um, and and also just bearing in mind that it's a very naive approach to even think that because because to say oh well I've got a taste of Champions League and and God forbid we don't make it next season for whatever reason and they want to leave because they want more of that they must remember to look around and 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 see what's happened to the the likes of. Um, Chelsea and Man United, there's no guarantee with these clubs. Hmm. Just because you were dominating at one stage doesn't mean you're always going to dominate. The tide is changing. Look at what's happened this season. So it would be a very narrow-minded approach to think, well, then I must go to another club because then I'll be guaranteed of Champions League. Rubbish. Stay where you are. Tottenham is going to become a Champions League contender on an annual basis. End of. They've got their heads head screwed on at the moment, and I, I use that word with caution. I say at the moment because I, I've seen at lots of other clubs. I've seen, at, for example, at Manchester United when they were winning trophies and they had a group of players that, that seemed together and whatever. And then after a few years, something happens in those players' DNA or makeup, and and, and they challenge the authority of the, of the manager and, and at United Alex Ferguson was uh, a no-nonsense manager and he wouldn't stand for it and Pochettino has shown that if anybody does challenge his authority or, or, or is going to be a problem he'll get rid of them um, fortunately he's got rid of all the bad apples and we seem to have um, a good group of players so I don't see anybody leaving right uh Nick Seal asks I'm going to sort of tie these questions together Nick, Nick Seal asks 40 million to spend on players who do you buy first um, Zach Gaznola asks barring an unlikely collapse in the last six games we're playing Champions League football next year um, we still lack some something to be Champions League level I don't know if that's true I can see what he's saying but um, where do we need to strengthen and with whom so he says both uh, Vindalam and Mitrovic look class in a poor barcode side, and obviously Newcastle look as though they might get relegated. Can't see anything in the Villa side, and possibly only Defoe, brackets, done that, um, and Unharnold in the Sunderland side. Anyone else from anyone else from premium other than Mares? In an ideal world, I'd like Griezmann, Grotzer, etc. Um, and then he says, as a Champions League team, we can. Who can we realistically attract that would fit into Pochettino's 
press and pressing style and take us to the next level. Our son and Chadley and um, and G and Onima able to develop enough. There's quite a lot of information there, I accept, but I, so I think that he sort of says it there in the fi final sentence. I think ultimately. It needs the, the player that we need to bring in next season needs to be somebody that can fit in Pochettino's style, um, and they've got to be a better quality than than the ones that we have at the moment. Um, I honestly don't know. Um, the, we've talked about the lad that Greg Taylor has mentioned a few times, Mitsu Mitsu Batshui. Um, there's a Belgium lad, Alex Vixel, that plays at um, I think it's. Uh, then at St. Petersburg in Russia. Um, he's a good midfield player. I've, I've mentioned I'd like him. Um, Coutinho I was impressed with yesterday. I thought that he was he looked a good player. Um, but honestly, I don't, I don't know. I mean, all of those players sound good on paper. Would they fit into Pochettino's style? Um, that's another matter. Um, it's very difficult with, with Pochettino. Other than Toby Alderweireld, um, a lot of the players that he's brought in um, weren't perhaps household names. Um, you know, Eric Dyer, for example. Um, and look, look what a revelation he's turned out to be. Um, yeah, I mean, if uh, if I had forty million to spend, um, personally, I would. I, I think I think striker is still the priority. Um, personally, I would break the bank to get Lukaku. Um, I think he's young. He can. He's already proven himself to be a very good Premier League striker, um, who's a handful for any defender and scores goals for fun. Um, I think he can be improved even further under Pochettino. I don't think Martinez has brought the best out of him. I don't really rate Martinez much as a manager. Mm. I think if he was being managed by Pochettino, he would be twice the player he is, even though I, I think he's a great player already. Um, I think he would provide great competition for Kane, while also giving us the opportunity to play Kane a little bit further back and have Lukaku as the, the main front man. Um, and he adds to our Belgian contingent as well. Um, so I think he ticks all the boxes. I mean, it might be a bit of a um, pipe dream to get him in because I know, obviously, I think Everton spent about thirty million on him to start with. But if I had that money, and I, I, I would prioritise him. Beyond that, Winslow sounds a good shout. I know we, we were linked to him in the summer very strongly, so he's obviously um, a player that the club feel would work in their system and would improve them he's obviously another belgian and is very versatile in the sense he could probably play in the two in the middle and also um in the three further forward um so i, I would go for those two personally when a tour was saying that i was like <coughs> You just read my mind. Everything that you've just said is exactly what I wanted to say. There goes my little uh, five cents worth. <laughs> Sorry, great minds um, think alike. There we go. It must be. Um, weren't we linked to Fulham's um, Musa Dembele? Is that definitely not going to happen, do you think? Is that completely but, but, off the table? 
there was talk. I read something. It might have been this week or, or, or last about he wanted to go to France. Um, uh, I don't. Look, I, I don't know much about the player. I mean, he, again, he strikes me as one of these players who's a young player that's not really widely known and is either going to be one for the future or is going to be, you know, the next Deli Ali or Eric Dyer or somebody that that, that the Pochettino is going to bring in and, and develop. Um, yeah. So uh, then that's fine, and and I think. I think that those sort of players, I'm sure, will continue to attract, um, and that, that's good. But if, if if you have 40 million and you want to buy, I suppose, an established player, yeah, look, Lukaku's a good shout. I mean, you mentioned, I think, several pods back, Nicky, about mm. about his the, um, the stats and um, that he got what was it, 50 goals or something at the age yeah. of 23? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's proven in the Premier League and also I read recently that he he said he wanted to leave because he wanted Champions League football yeah. um, and you know we often might be critical of players and they come out and say that but to be fair to Lukaku he was at Chelsea he didn't get a sniff unfortunately for him um, he then did well when he was loaned out to West Brom when he was loaned out originally to Everton they were, I think they finished fifth that first season. So he missed out on the Champions League. And he could have signed for somebody else um, because he wanted. He went on record then of saying if he wanted Champions League football. Credit where credit's due, he, he signed for Everton. And they've he's been with them, I think, as a um, on their books, not as a low knee for about two, three seasons now. And they haven't qualified for the Champions League. And, and you know, he's only got so many, so much of his career ahead of him and he might only get so many chances so if he wants to play Champions League football then I know this club in North London um, that uh, uh, have got a young exciting Argentinian manager and um, he should come and play for us yeah I agree <laughs> um, ok final two questions so um, uh, ASD at his Twitter handle is at ASD the brand so ASD is the host presenter of the echoes of glory podcast um and i'm seeing him next week at the united game i'll I'll be sat with him um and he's sent a question and he says one player is leaving who do you keep kane or larice now i know it's one of these hypothetical questions that that uh isn't really uh would never really um present itself in a real scenario but it did get me thinking you know who 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 is more valuable to the team? Who, um, you know, not just in the short term but in the long term? Who, who's, who's more pivotal? It's, it's a really difficult question. Who wants to go first? Atua. Um, sure. Yep. Um, I would, as much as I love Hugo, I would probably say I'd hold on to Kane. Um, couple of reasons. Firstly, he's obviously younger. I think we could potentially have him playing for Spurs for a lot longer. Um, he's Spurs through and through, um, so has that affinity with the club. It's someone that the fans can associate themselves to. Um, and, and also, the final reason, I just think it's a lot harder to replace strikers, quality strikers. We've tried to do it for several years now, and just about stumbled across Kane and now now obviously look at what he's done over the last couple of years um, that's why good strikers cost so 
much it's just because they're so um so rare at that sort of um level of productivity um while hugo is amazing like in in my eyes probably the best goalie in the world if not the top uh, at least in the top few i think it's easier to replace a goalkeeper to the extent where a lot of a lot of titles have been won by clubs where they've you could argue their goalkeeper is probably their weak point um, in the in their side, so yeah, for those reasons, I'd I'd go for Kane, uh, holding on to Kane and and letting Hugo go. Yeah, I I don't have anything to add because once again, um, <laughs> Tua said exactly what I was going to say. Um, I pretty much agree with that. I think that it's it's difficult if you, if you if you compare them, um, who's who's won us who's won us more points? You know, Kane's got. What is it now? Twenty-one goals this season, um, which is more one more than what he did last season, and that's still with six matches left. Um, so, so much for him being a one-hit, one-season one wonder. Um, but then, Larice has saved so many. I mean, just yesterday alone, but count, countless other occasions where he saved so many points for us. It's really difficult. But for the reasons you outline at all, you know, the fact that Kane is younger. And there's that whole thing, you know, he's one of our own and whatever. Um, I, I'd like to see him for, the, for at the club for the next ten years. Um, um, not obviously this is outside of the, the the parameters of the question, but I, for what it's worth, I think Larice will be at Spurs for a long time. I can't see him, can't see him leaving. Um, he was asked a question in the middle middle of the week. Um, when France were playing in a press conference and he, and he went on record as saying he was very happy at Spurs um, and I know that players always say that when they're asked to when they're playing for their club but there was something about the way he said it there was a, a level of sincerity um, and I, I genuinely think he'll, he'll be around for a long time but you're um, right probably easier to replace um, than than Kane um, let's face it we're still, we're still trying to find a, stri- a, st- a striker other than Kane, and we're struggling to do that, and uh, mm. Kane is younger, well, so... Fortunately, it's a hypothetical question, because it it's is. never going to happen. <laughs> it is. Um, right, final question. Um, Mr. Gaz on Twitter asks, what's the oddest food or combo you've experienced at away games following Spurs, or, for that matter, any sports? Um, now, um, as listeners will know, um, I do, like... A smoked salmon bagel um, when I can get one at Spurs, which um, they don't seem to do in in the south, in in the in the Park Lane. Uh, do they do them in the Paxton at all? Uh, no, I haven't seen them actually. I yeah. think that must just be a West End West End uh, privilege delicacy. Yeah, del- yeah. I think it's a delicacy in the West Upper and East Upper. Yeah, um, I've seen I've seen them in 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 both, but I think. I've not been the Paxton. I've I've been the last time I was there was last season, and they didn't do them then. I was there for one game, and I was in the South Upper as well. And they didn't do it there. Um, but um, yesterday I had yesterday when I when I went up to Liverpool, I, I like fish and chips, um, and I did earlier this season. I was speaking speaking with a colleague at work, and she's the same person that played the April Fool's Day prank on me on Friday and we were talking about fish and chips and and 
and uh, earlier in the season, and she said, "Oh, why don't you, um, when you do like all these away games, um, you should try out fish and chips in different cities." So um, I had some very nice fish and chips in Southampton earlier uh, the season, and I thought, "Well, up in Liverpool, and, and I'll try some yesterday." Now, for me, fish and chips, um, I tend to have it with salt and vinegar um, and I'm also very particular about about this so I put salt on the chips and nothing else and vinegar on the fish because the vinegar is acidic and it complements the fish but I don't like to put vinegar on the chips okay um, I've not met anybody else that's the same as me in that regard and things like sauce like ketchup tomato ketchup and brown sauce or whatever it may be or mayonnaise I don't like putting that on chips I'm, I'm, I'm not against it but I don't it does nothing for me it ruins it chips are nice just as they are and just maybe a bit of salt because it brings out the flavor but that's it um so my work colleague um she's originally from the north of england from grimsby via birkenhead and for her she always goes on about curry sauce and um and it's a it's a northern thing and, and they have curry sauce and I, i've i've had it before but it's not quite the same as i think the curry sauce that you would get um in the north so i thought yesterday well you know when in Rome and all of that, do as the Romans do. So I asked for some fish and chips with curry sauce and they ended up pouring a whole load of curry sauce, which, um, apart from the fact that it tasted different to what you get in the South, um, they poured a whole load all over the fish, all over the chips. It was drenched in curry sauce and it tasted disgusting. Um, So as well as... So it ruined a perfectly... Um, lovely meal for me um, so as well as stitching me up on um, or playing an April Fool's on Friday on me um, <laughs> she's managed to um, ruin a lovely meal because I, I took her advice and I thought, you know, I'll, I'll give it a go I'll give it a go so thank you Abby um, for that um, so that that's that's the weirdest combo um, foods I've had at, at a game um, at all Nikki uh, I don't think I can beat that, to be honest. Um, I, I, I did. This question did remind me of about five, six years ago. I had the pleasure of going to um, Barcelona and watching um, them play Villarreal in in the Camp Nou, um, and I was quite surprised to see um, in in the kind of concourses around the stadium there was uh, people stood with. Um, kind of uh, plastic crates full of fruit um, as part of the uh, the um, catering offering at the stadium. Uh, they had various types of fruit. Admittedly, it was quite a warm day, so maybe maybe they, they quite like having a bit of fruit there at the game. Um, but yeah, it did surprise me. It's something I've never seen at an English ground. Um, I treated myself to some grapes and oranges while I was there. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it's, some, it's something I... I never thought I'd be doing, and I haven't, I haven't uh, had the pleasure of doing it since. Yeah, I don't hunt up, hunt up your your curry fish and chips, Jeff. That just sounds uh, what, disgusting. What do they? Um, <laughs> well, I just I thought I'll, I'll give it a go, but I was expecting a little bit of curry sauce on the side, something to dip Jeff, dip 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 into. All, with all due respect, you are one of the fussiest eaters I know. I'm yep. fussy, but you take the cake. You don't even take the cake because you are so fussy. So True. why you even allowed them to to pour that stuff over your 
food, I have no idea. I think, you know, if I were you, I would have said, can't you just put it in a little container for me? And then you you could at least dip your chip into it if you wanted to. But um, not to let them have carte blanche with your food. <laughs> That's it's just, just not you. It all happened very quickly, and it looked like <laughs> diarrhea, and it tasted like diarrhea. Well, I don't know what diarrhea tastes like, but it, it looked like diarrhea. Um, it might as well have been diarrhea. Um, but, Nikki, in all seriousness, um, like in South Africa, for a say, sporting event, whether it's football or rugby or cricket, I mean, what what do they typically serve? Is it like biltong or...? Yeah, you get, obviously, the biltong and, and chips and stuff. You'd get um, burravos rolls, which is a sausage, um, um, which is divine. Anyway, so you get burravos rolls or hot dogs or hamburgers. Um, or you will get... There's, uh, in Afrikaans, it's called fat cook, and it's a direct translation. It's a fat cake, so it's like a, it's like a doughy kind of um, uh, dumpling, if you want to cook for want of a better word, that's mm. deep fried, and then you put curried mince in it, and it's just absolutely divine. But you know, it's that's really traditional sort of South African food. I suppose that's the only kind of thing really that they would have. Yeah. Not not weird things like curried sauce on chips and fish. That's just wrong. Yeah, it is wrong. <laughs> that's northerness for you. Um, <laughs> just 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 on that on on the on the subject of catering and and, and food. Um, a few weeks ago, I went to um, I went to the England Wales rugby match at Twickenham. It was the first time I'd, I'd gone to Twickenham. For, I'm, I'm not a rugby fan as such. Um, but from when you left Twickenham Station and you're walking towards the stadium, all along the way there are lots of food stalls and lots of the market stalls and, and it, it's a great family atmosphere. Um, and all all the food that was being sold, it looked good and it looked fresh. And even when you got to the stadium, outside stadium, there were lots of different stalls. There was a fish and chip stall. There was a, a curry. There was, you know, but there was just, but it all looked good. It didn't look like um, bacteria, E. coli type food. It looked really good. And there was lots of choice and lots of variety. And then even within Twickenham Stadium, I don't know whether it's, it's a new stadium um, or it's a much bigger stadium or whatever. It, it, um, it's unfair to, to make that comparison with White Hart Lane, which is which 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 is a much older, smaller stadium. But there were lots of facilities within the stadium, lots of um, lots of bars and and lots of kiosks and, and stuff, and it was so much better. Um, the new Wembley isn't too bad, but I wonder what the new White Hart Lane, um, the new stadium, will, will have to offer once it's built, because I, I do think that. Um, when it comes to catering, um, I do think football fans are, are, are let down somewhat, and I think that the choice that that they're given is a bit limited, and 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 there's almost I think a level of complacency amongst fans themselves that oh, you know, well this is what we get and that's it, and it's almost like an acceptance. Um, but at the at the rugby, it was so much better. There was just so much more choice and more quality. I when I was when I was there for the game last year in March, um, I had a hot dog, which was absolutely disgusting. I don't think I even finished it. It was just more more of the bun than than anything else. It was just dry and horrible. So, yeah, um, 
I don't know. Maybe they think people come to the games to watch their team play and not worry about the food. <laughs> well, also, also it, it, it strikes me that um, I'm going for a bit of a tangent here, and it's really because I wanted to mention something, but I forgot to mention it earlier. Um, you've got lots of um, how can I put this um, in a very without sounding politically incorrect. Uh, correct. Um, there are lots of tourist fans that turn up by our lane. Um, mm. And it strikes me that that there should be something to cater for their needs. Um, and this was quite noticeable yesterday at, at Anfield, and there was um, some number of fans that were. Um, I'm trying not to sound racist here. Um, that were that were tourist fans, okay, um, and they weren't from the, from the UK, and and that's fine, and I, I don't have a problem with that because at the, at, at the end of the day, you know, um, at all you mentioned earlier, you went to Barcelona to watch a game of football, and you know, if I was in Spain, I would like to go to the Bernabeu or to the Nou Camp and, and watch watch a game of football because they're wonderful places to to you know, their stadiums to visit and so forth. And I wouldn't begrudge anybody that opportunity, but it's, it strikes me, one of the things that's been noticeable about this season, I've noticed that there are lots of fans from the Far East that attend games at White Hart Lane because of sun. Again, that's the way of the world, and I, and I get that. But I was a little bit surprised that yesterday, for a game that only was available to season ticket holders, and even, season, even then season ticket holders with a high number, that there were lots of fans tourist type fans that had turned up now I know that I ended up acquiring my ticket through somebody who couldn't go for a season ticket holder and I, and I purchased my ticket off him but I don't know how they managed to acquire um, acquire a ticket unless I can only think that said season ticket holders um, sold their tickets on StubHub at, at, at an extortionate price which the average fan it wasn't happens. able to which happens but uh, I just there's something about that which I find wrong, really. No, it is wrong. Oh, sorry, it's I, I just want to say there was a, there was a guy um, in Cape Town who wanted to go to the um, Arsenal game, and I couldn't get tickets for him through Johannesburg Spurs because our deadline had closed already. So um, Stacy wasn't able to help us. He managed to get two tickets on StubHub. And when he told me the price of those tickets, it's the equivalent of 10,000 Rand one ticket. Mm. I, know, I know that the, the exchange rate between us and you is, is just ridiculous at the moment, but that is just a ridiculous amount of money. Seriously, it was ludicrous. Why would somebody do that? You know, you're a season ticket holder, you can't go. You want someone else to enjoy the, the game. So, yeah, okay, make a little bit of a profit if you want to. So then, at least that profit pays for your for your um, your annual fees and so forth. But really, to to extort somebody to pay that amount of money, and the problem is that you've got people like that who are desperate enough who go, well, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. They will pay that. Yeah. To put that in context, that's four hundred and seventy-eight pounds. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, no how ridiculous is that? That's mental. It was actually, I actually think it was £500 he paid. Mm. I know it, it worked out to just over 10 grand ticket. I was like, that is just crazy. So he bought two tickets at that price. So he paid over 20,000 grand for, t- for tickets. 
to the to the North London derby. Where if he just waited for a year, we could have we could have arranged it through the supporters' club. You know, yeah. it's just crazy. There's um I, I sit in the, the uh, North Lower um, over near the corner with the West stand. There every, every game this season, every home game I've spotted, just diagonally across to the to the West uh, Lower. There's always um, a group of what I can I can assume are Korean fans because um, they they generally have a flag and they always sit in the same spot. Um, there's a, normally like about four of them. I noticed midway through the season, it almost always is different people. Um, sometimes there's a combination of sometimes there's four guys, sometimes three go three girls and a guy. Sometimes it varies, old, young, whatever. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of thing's happening in, in, in that instance as well, where a season ticket holder has managed to come across some sort of um, some sort of money-making idea where they, they can directly sell tickets to kind of um, people who are, who are traveling over to the UK to see Spurs, uh, which, like I say, I don't begrudge anyone wanting to see Spurs. They're more than welcome to, but I, I would like to think they've been they are being sold at a reasonable price rather than extortionate prices that you're talking about because it, yeah. it surprised me a lot when I, when I noticed it um, midway through the season. Yeah, and, and I, I just found, like you said, I mean, look, it, it's a global game um, and if we're going to be honest, you know, it, we, if we were in Spain or, or, or if we were in, in Milan, we, we, we'd want to go to the San Siro, for example, because these are great stadiums, places to, to, to visit and... and, and Nicky, you're overseas, and we've got lots of lots of Spurs fans over, overseas, and, and football's a global game. You've you've got to respect that fact. That that's that's the reality, and and, and we wouldn't begrudge anybody that chance. But I I just found it odd for an away game, particularly when you consider away games tends to be the core supporters. Whether that's um, I mean, sometimes away tickets do end up on general sale, but quite often it's normally Lily White or bronze members with a certain number of points. Um, or, or, or on this occasion, it was just season ticket holders, and in fact, it was season ticket holders with a very high high number of points. Um, so it tends to be the core um, supporter base, um, and I was surprised there was quite a few tourist fans that turned up, and that's not their their fault, you know. Good luck to them; they've they've got that opportunity. But I, I, f- I find it wrong that somehow it's it's made its way into their hands, and and also that it's gone. It's been sold at ridiculous prices, but there you go. Think, That's I a free, it's free market even, for you. I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's so much the fact that there's a tourist fan there, because you know what, whether you're a season ticket holder, or whether you're a bronze membership, or whether you're overseas supporters like us, we're all here to support Spurs, so, you know, that's that's the integral part of this, what we're discussing. I think the thing for me, and, and I can understand it would, would annoy somebody if I was a season ticket holder or, or a bronze member and I couldn't get a ticket and somebody else got a ticket, but that's because they want to pay those stupid prices. That's the point that mm. I get irritated. It's the fact that people will exploit it and and they take away from the the whole game. They take away from what it is, the experience of the game. And, and unfortunately, the game it's always well. going to... The spirit of the game, absolutely. And the problem is... That will never change because you will always get somebody who wants to capitalize and make a buck um, 
on the back of somebody else. Because like these these this guy in Cape Town, he was so desperate for a ticket, he really, really wanted a ticket. I mean, I think I saw a ticket at two hundred pounds, which I thought was a little bit steep. When he told me what he paid, I mean that's just absolutely ludicrous. And and somebody who, who goes to sleep at night knowing that they charge somebody that amount of money is just you know, they can't have a conscience, surely. It's disgusting. Mm, yep. But, oh, sorry, sorry, just just a quick one. Isn't the Tottenham Hotspur um, Supporters Trust doing something about clamping down on this kind of thing, Jeb? I think, I think they are. And I was... I, was, uh, I, 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 think, I, was, I think we need to get Martin and Kat on another podcast. I um, think you're thinking the same thing that I was thinking. Yeah. I, was, I was about to say, we we do need to get them on on, 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 on another p- podcast. And, and it turns out that Martin Cloak lives in the same area that I do, which was because I bumped into him the, the other day when I was walking back from the gym, um, and which was uh, by complete chance. But um, we, we we did interview them, interview Martin and Katz towards the end of last season on on on. on for the pod um we have mentioned it to them um and we possibly hopefully might try to do another interview with them in the next few weeks before the season closes subject to finding a time that works for all parties um right on that note um thank you nikki as ever thanks jeff thank you at all thank you guys thanks for having me on it's been a pleasure next week my guests Next week, my guests are Bex and Mark Stoll. And on that note, um, the future's bright, the future's Lily White. Good night. in the dirt. Now gather round and sing it out and we'll talk out all the hurt.